Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline is our friend Tom E. Curran of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresse, Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. And me. And Foyer. By Awaken 180 Weight Loss, become your own success story by dropping the weight holding you back. It starts with just one call to Awaken 180. And by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com to the Harbor One Hotline. Tommy Curran, good morning. Morning, Tom. Hey, thank you for accommodating. Very appreciated. How's everything, fellas? Never a problem, friend. And Foyer and I just got done with this discussion. Curious for your thoughts. There's been the narrative created that joint practices are more important than preseason games. So is it a big deal that Bill Belichick has essentially punted on going to Tennessee for a couple of joint practices? They're such a big deal that the Patriots absolutely extracted everything that they could out of them while they were in um, Green Bay. I mean, that that to me is illustrative of what happened here. They ran 200, upwards of 200 plays. They engaged in six fights. They had a horrible practice. They had a fantastic practice. They then followed that up with a game that they were able to hold off on at the end because they had gotten so much work done during the week. So to me... I don't think this is a de-emphasis on joint practices. It's kind of a tribute to how much you can get done in a small amount of time so that now you're so efficient at it, you don't need to go with four of them. Do you think that the majority of their decisions, like the bulk, let's call it 80% of their decisions, their roster decisions are already set? Oh, boy, good question. No, I don't. Because I think, Christian, they have so many depth issues. So there's availability questions and there's talent questions, I think, that they have to weigh. Additionally, there's positional questions. As you guys all know, we've heard it a million times. When you get to the roster, sometimes you're not competing wide receiver against wide receiver. You're competing wide receiver against linebacker. For instance, do you keep Kayshawn Booty? Which I would say, yes, please. Um, Or do you keep... You know, Calvin Munson, for lack of a better example, who's a linebacker. Do you keep Munson because he's a coverage guy on another special teams that, you know, you are not deep in right now? All that stuff enters into it. So I would imagine, yeah, their they're frontline guys are certainly spoken for, but I bet there's a lot of uncertainty between 43 and 75 that they're trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, so if you had to, like, uh, you know, take every name and put a green dot for every person who would make the team, do you think you would probably get to, like, halfway before you were like, oh, geez, now the battles really begin? I don't know. I think, I'd, I think honestly, maybe, like, 43. Yeah. I mean, for instance, take take wide receiver, which is probably the most difficult to handicap spot. I think right now, and it really comes down to between Malik Cunningham and Keyshawn Booty. And you want both players to be able to be available to you all year long. And the interesting thing, too, is the Malik Cunningham situation um, really becomes a little even more intriguing with the third quarterback rule passed yesterday, even though there's all kinds of parameters to that third quarterback rule that would rule him out from being used extensively. It's, it's another interesting aspect to the position. Um, but yeah, I think that those questions are good because while they might not have the greatest 
top of the depth chart talent. I do like some of their talent in different positions, or at least potential, at some other positions at the bottom of the fight. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston here with Gresh and Fourier. Do you think there is a veteran of name, or maybe even somebody that we thought would be a key contributor who is very much on the radar that we should be paying attention to the next week, week and a half? In terms of perhaps being released? Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine Riley Reese is getting all the reps he's getting and he could be released. He struggled early in camp. He's kind of settled into a spot. They also need the depth. That's a name that jumps up to me. Um, what about Jalen Mills? There's been, I mean, he's played a ton, but it's at a new position. He's a communicator. He knows the defense. I would think I that, I, I, I'm with you, Like, but I know there's some buzz out there about, hey, maybe Mills could be one of those guys that gets pushed out because of the depth at safety. And as you mentioned, uh, Tom, some of the choices that you're going to make on special teamers, like I never thought Cody Davis would have been here last year at over, what, $2 million bucks, but he was. Yeah, I mean, throw in Marte Mapu, who's a player who has done so well and he's got so much versatility. Look, Jalen Mills, I, and I know that you agree with this, both of you, anyone who's talking about that is, is, is just not really, in my estimation, reading the tea leaves on, on the usage, on the communication, on the ability level that he's exhibiting. But when you enter into the equation of Marte Mapu, who has the hybrid ability to do different things, I could see why Jalen Mills would be somebody who would float off someone's tongue who says, look, if you, if you press me, maybe someone like that, because it's those com- competitions between moving on from guys. I remember Ron Boyd just told me a long time ago when, when Troy Brown had lit it up at a 2006 um, preseason game against Green Bay. And I was like, they can never release Troy Brown, can they? He goes, at some point, even if Troy Brown's better than the guy behind him, You have to move on from the guy because Troy won't be better than him in two years. And if you say goodbye to the guy who might be better in two years, then you have an issue. I.E. Braxton Berrios. Not saying that he's Troy Brown, but a good example of it. You know, yesterday we saw – we're talking to Tom E. Kern on the Harbor One Hotline, and we saw Tom E. Kern – sorry, we saw Mac Jones right before he uh, did his interview with uh, Jones and Mego. And uh, Gresh said something to the effect of, hey, we're on Mac Island. And he said, stay there. What, what, what do you, <laughs> what, I mean, like, right? That's what he said, Gresh, Oh, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It, was, uh, it was basically, yeah, good stay there. Yeah. And Fourier and I both came away with, oh, that and guy's got a little swagger back after yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah, Tom, it did feel different as opposed to, the you know, the last two years that I've talked with him on, on Monday, you know, with Lou. I'm just curious, like, if you've noticed the same thing being at almost every single practice. Yeah, he's having a good time. I think he is a kid who enjoys having a good time in the way that a lot of 24, 25, 26-year-olds do. Actually, we all always did. Stick your chest out a little bit with a smile and say, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, because you do believe you're going to do it. And he doesn't – it's not artifice this year. You wouldn't have seen him do it last year because well, he'd walk back into his office and go, holy crap, and, I don't know how good we're going to be if at all. Because and, and, what I was going to add, and I feel like you're touching on it, is um, 
Sometimes I, when I see players do that, I feel like it's forced. It's for the cameras. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. here's my agenda. And there's some, there's some fakeness to it that I don't trust. Yep. Your thoughts on that angle? I think it is absolutely genuine. Between the, the interview yesterday um, with Mego and Jones or occasions we've been on the sideline, even talking quietly on the side for two seconds with Bill O'Brien to Bill O'Brien's access, they just – they're not better than they were in 2021 in terms of where they are. Um, but maybe they are. Maybe all the scar tissue. And I said this last year in August that the number one thing that Mac would develop in 2022 was resilience. Because I knew it was going to be a hard year. I didn't know it was going to be dysfunctional, but I knew it was going to be hard. But I think there is an aspect of going through that season that is going to give him confidence now that it is somewhat rectified to say, so I had a good rookie year, didn't know what I was doing. I had a horrible year last year because I was smarter than my coaches. Now I got a guy who's going to help me. I'm actually going to be really good this year. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston Aggression Fourier. How does the kicking situation work itself out? I think, you know, Christian and I have talked about it a lot, and it seems like the rookies are the guys they might go to. I don't know if there's been enough work this preseason that all of us could see to be able to determine which way they're leaning. So, Tom, do you have any lean or intel on which way they could go with both kicker spots? Definitely, as you're saying, they want to go with the rookies, the draft picks. So I think that ties go to them. And I don't think the Ryland, except for a windy day last week in Green Bay, when it seemed as if he really couldn't figure out the wind um, and was having a hard time kicking into to it, not because of leg strength, but just because of kind of trajectory and folk did better than he did. Um, just little things like that. But the kid's leg is just so stupid, explosive. And the same thing with Barringer, who not only has the big leg, but he's getting the uh, the hang time. Um, that the Patriots would like, so the coverage teams that they value get down there. So I would say it's, it's unless something bizarro happens, like it happened with Quinn Nordine a couple of years ago. Right. They're going with uh, they're going with the two rookies. And Tom, just I guess a technical procedural question for me. Let's just say you think um, a young kicker isn't ready. Like you think the upside is there but you're real nervous because you just don't know if you can quite trust them and you'd rather go with more of a sure thing like a Nick Folk, right? Yep. Is there a way that you could stash a guy away for uh, you know a, a, a time frame, call it six weeks? No. No, there isn't any like loophole no, that they could take advantage of? I was talking about this uh, relative to Taekwon Thornton um, with Phil Perry recently. I just don't think there's an, there's an avenue because – if when the cut down day comes, everybody has to have a status. They're active or inactive or released. So if you put Taekwon Thornton on injured reserve, or if you put Nick Folk on injured reserve or Chad Ryland before the beginning of the season at cut down time, he has to stay there. Um, but if you pass them through waivers and bring them back, then you can put them on um, IR off the practice squad, for instance. But okay, so that's the key be- then. So that is so. If, so that's a way. So the league obviously got wise to it. They're not going to let people circumvent be- the rules, and they say, okay, 
let them pass through waivers, and then if you want to try and screw with the the whole rules and regulations, yeah. then I'll let you do it. And I I would love to open my <clears throat> do a quick Google search <laughs> rules about stashing just so I could make sure that I'm. No, I think you, I think you're right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so to too. Plus, let's be real. If there's a rule that none of us rubes understand, Bill Belichick will either have it interpreted or, in the Spygate instance, <laughs> misinterpreted and do whatever the hell he wants anyway. Yeah. yeah. So uh, either way, it doesn't matter. It's whether it whether it can be interpreted or Bill's interpretation, they're going to figure it out. Hey, uh, Tommy, thank you, friend. We appreciate today, it, Tom. and uh, we'll uh, catch you down the road. Talk to you soon. All right. See you guys.